I'm your host, Kaylee, and I love my career as a venue manager and now owner. I'm a glutton for punishment, coffee addict, and an ambitious leader. I've seen and done some unglamorous things in this chosen career path, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Let's talk about the ups and downs of venue ownership, and I'll fill you in on the crazy stories, give you some knowledge on the nitty gritty details, and share my passion for this industry. Stick around, and I'm sure you're going to understand why Operating a venue, although rewarding, is elegantly unglamorous. Hello. How are you guys doing? Are you surviving and thriving? <laughs> um, I say that sarcastically because I'm not. I'm surviving, but I'm not thriving. Let's just say that. This week has been so busy, so busy. And my brain is constantly just on like full demand mode. Like it, I'm just turning ideas left and right. And it's, this is, if you are creative or if you are, you know, entrepreneur and you like to generate business opportunities and develop ideas and you're not just a conceptual person. You always put, you, you research your ideas and if they seem to be a good idea, then they, you put them into action. That's kind of where I'm at there. Over the last three to four months, we have been considering a second venue just because we have been just overwhelmed and booked with events where I'm turning down so many clients. Um, I've been trying to, well, potential clients, uh, at least, at least one a day. I mean, that's a minimum. Um, I would say I'm turning down about 10 a week about as an average. So I am, and I hate that. I mean, that's lost business opportunity. That is people that I could book an event for. That is more revenue. That is income because that's my business mindset. I'm not, (laughs) I'm a glutton for punishment. And of course I want to have more on my plate and, um, be busy all the time. And, but you know what, when you love your career and you love the job that you do, you never work a day in your life. So I don't consider this work. And I've gotten to the point that this industry has also been my enjoyment as well, kind of like my my escape. Um, so if I'm not working, I'm working. <laughs> so on my own personal time, because I like to do it, it's become what I love. But what gets me is that I have, we've been generating this idea of a second venue and it's always been an idea of having, because we're on 26 acres of having another venue on the same property, but that has held us back because one, our current venue isn't the best location. It is a decent, it's a location. It's okay. It's not it's not prime. It's not like anything. Everybody's like, Oh, you're in Hoagland. Like you're no, we're South of Fort Wayne. So we're, you know, we're more of a rural venue. I mean, we're on 26 acres of like grass plains. So obviously we're pretty rural. 
but we're south of Fort Wayne, which is our downfall because you have the not so good part of Fort Wayne, which is south. And then you have the outskirts, which are actually really good. Like I've grown up in this area and I have to tell you there's hidden money here. I know that sounds crazy, but people have money here. They just don't spend it. That's why they have money. (laughs) And that's also our downfall. Um, you go up to North Fort Wayne, you've got the people who actually spend their money and, um, they're more new money. They're not old money. So North is more, they're working hard. They're doctors. They're, they've got degrees. They're working to, you know, um, to expand their career and they're more career driven here. They're more family focused and they're either farmers or they're, trade skills, um, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners. And yes, they pass that down to their children and their children, they do have money, but it's, it's ancestral money. Did I say that ancestral money? So they're not really spending it. Um, plus down here, they're more stuck in their ways. Um, like a stick in the mud a little bit. They don't like to spend their money, and so they don't like to experience really new things. They like to stick to the traditional and what's worked in the past. Up north, they're a little bit more adventurous. I know that's crazy to think just 30 minutes north of the city, like north of us, on north side of Fort Wayne, they're a totally different type of client. And they're t- it's a totally different market, but that's how that works. And even a 30-minute shift to a different location makes a huge difference. So that's held us back from building a second venue because we don't really, I mean, we're okay in our location, but to build a new venue out here, the cost of a new venue, I don't think we could charge what we need to charge for a new space on a rental out here and actually make bookings. Um, I also think that there might be some cannibalization of our venue, of our current venue, because either one's going to become more popular over the other. Like, I don't want that at all. Um, I also don't want to take from my own market. Like I, I know I'm getting extra, like I'm turning down potential clients right now, but it still makes me nervous that I'll still take from my current market. And I don't want to do that. (laughs) I want to, I don't want to overcrowd the, you know, the, I want to keep the opportunity still funneling in towards the Eden and not splitting them between another location or like another building on site. So is there, is there an opportunity? Yes. But I think that building on our current location is going to lead to some problems. Plus, I don't want another freaking barn venue. I'm sorry. I'm tired of the barn look. I'm tired of that. Like, we need something else. And we're in the rural area, but the Eden is not a barn style venue. So, um, and I, because, because I'm over it. (laughs) I am over the barns. We've got enough of them. Uh, we've got, you know, about three or four barn type venues within a 30 mile radius. And I'm just, I I don't want to compete or be in that market anymore. Um, not anymore at all. And then, so if we're going to build another venue, I'm really interested in, in the industrial warehouse aesthetic 
I think that there's not very many in our local area, but if we're going to do that, we would like to be in downtown in the city, uh, very accessible to hotels, very accessible to nightlife, very accessible to, you know, travel. And it's just a little bit easier. Uh, plus our Fort Wayne has been growing tremendously and there's a very big population there. Um, and a very big potential for, you know, developing opportunities like a new, we used to, we had an old General Electric plant um, in downtown and that's been abandoned for years, but they're remodeling it and turning it into public spaces and, and retail stores and things like that. So I'm just excited for, you know, oh, sorry, I got the sneezes. Um, I'm just excited for whatever that opportunity is that's coming in from that, you know, remodel and revitalization that is going on at downtown. And I would like to be a part of that. So um, I just see the growth opportunities that come along with that. But there's not very many spots downtown. Um, We went to look at a warehouse and it's like 27,000 or 28,000 square feet huge, huge. Like the max we need is about 10,000 square feet, the max. Um, but that's because we need a kitchen on site. We also need dressing rooms. We've learned our lessons. And by the way, don't call them bridal suites. Don't call them grooms, groom suites. In today's world, they're dressing rooms. They need to be non-binary. You do not need to put a gender role on them. Keep everything gender free. I I know this is me and my soapbox and some people don't agree with that, but I have to tell you that the world is changing and you got to change with it. So they're dressing rooms. So I need two dressing rooms minimum, um, bar area, office space, um, bathrooms, which I would like large bathrooms (laughs) because I have a three stall bathroom and that's just not enough for 300 people. There's a line. So, um, there's just these elements that we need to add into the space. And I think they were selling it for 750,000, but here in the Midwest, I mean, that was a lot for that building. I mean, it is a lot of square footage, a lot of square footage, but the state and condition of the building was not where it needed to be and needed a lot of renovations. I was doing some general math in my head of HVAC, new roof, new windows, flooring, because the flooring is, you know, it's old maple flooring, but they had water damage. So it's done for. Um, There's, I mean, there's other things like the plumbing and code safe fire code. And uh, do we need sprinkler system? Probably because we're 30,000 square feet in an old brick warehouse. And who knows what the electrical is like in that place. So on top of that, no electrical. Um, <laughs> there's so much that's going to go into it. After I did the math, it was still going to cost, you know, half a million to do re- a, a cheap renovation. That's cheap renovation. And then plus the 750000 on top of that. And I'm just not on board with that. I think that that's too big of a project for us and it would take too much time to get there. I'm not willing to sacrifice that. So we nixed that property pretty quick. But it was a great location. 
great location, like so close to downtown. There's another building that I wish I was told by my realtor that it was sold and um, it had been on the market for like six months and it sold literally the week week or two before I, we even thought of it. It was perfect. It was clean space. It had polished concrete floors. I mean, it was an empty shell. We'd have to add in the kitchen, the bathroom and stuff like that. But that's, that's easy. <laughs> it's the, it's the hidden stuff. That's not easy. So I was super worried about the hidden, you know, issues with an old warehouse that's been just sitting, you know, versus this one that's been already renovated and, re and it's ADA compliant, had brand new walks and lofts and things put in. So we're still in the process of considering this. I have not pinned down a location. We have a construction um, company that's going to go through walkthroughs with us to give us quotes and estimates because we, we really have to have that in order to know what we're getting into. I'm not getting into another situation where I don't know what needs to be updated and fixed and what the cost of that is going to be and digging a hole. So, um, just being prepared. So this week has been nothing but just running my mind crazy doing PLs and you know stage year PLs. So it's not just one year, it's five. Um, filling out my personal financial forms, getting that kind of stuff sent in. Um, not to mention keeping up on the business during you know engagement season and doing tours until seven, eight o'clock at night. And in Indiana, it's dark by 530. So I feel like I'm getting home so late. Um, two kids, a husband that works night shifts, man, it is rough. It is rough, but I am making it behind and I'm getting through. So that's this week. That's this update. And let's talk about uh, this week's topic and get you some details that you can actually learn from other than my painstaking process of buying another menu. Okay. I want to talk about hidden fees this week. Um, I recently had hidden fees and a lot of venue managers and owners are going to cringe when I say hidden fees. They're like, but it's in the contract. It's not hidden. No, it is hidden. If you, if you don't include it on your quote or if it's something additional to a package, it's a hidden fee. <laughs> it's hidden. Um, even either that be service fee or gratuity or damage deposit or anything, it's a hidden fee. Um, because you need to think in the mindset of your clients. You're not thinking, you're thinking in the mindset of being a venue manager or a venue owner and thinking, well, to me, that's not a hidden fee because it's listed in the contract. Put yourself in your client's shoes. To them, that's a hidden fee because it is listed in the contract but they have to dig for that information. It's not something that's super visual, visible. It's not something that they're going to just know is going to be added or included like tax. That is not a hidden fee. Tax is not a hidden fee. But if it's something that you're like, oh, well, that's additional. That's a hidden fee. If they didn't know about it, that's considered a hidden fee. So 
when we first opened, um, we had a service fee based on, um, well, we had several here. We had several different hidden fees. We had the venue, right? Which is not a hidden fee. And then you had, um, a ceremony add on, not a hidden fee. Uh, we had outside catering, so we allowed other vendors to come in, but here's where that hidden fee came in. We charged that cater 15, we charged the client 15% of their food sales and they had to pay for the 15% uh, outside venue or outside catering fee. That's a fee. That's a hidden fee. They weren't considering that fee when they were booking us. So a lot of times that would come out a surprise when it came up on their bill. Then you had bar service and they had the package and then they had to pay for a bartender and a security officer separate from the bar package. That's a hidden fee. I know that does not sound like a hidden fee because it's labor. No, that's hidden because they're not, they're thinking about what do we need to pay for the bar package? They're not like, oh, but then we have to pay for the bartenders and then we have to pay for the security officer. They're not thinking about that. And then if you charge gratuity on top of your bar service, that's a hidden fee. They're not thinking about tips. They're not thinking about that. So um, considered a hidden fee. Damage deposits, hidden fee. Um, some might fight me on that, but I it, it, is a da- it is a hidden fee because a client will submit a damage deposit a lot of times they don't know a damage deposit, what even a damage deposit is. You're talking, uh, they get that confused with like a rental deposit, right? So the, 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 the initial payment towards the balance of the rental or the invoice, that's their rental deposit. And then you have a damage deposit, which is just for damage and violation fees or whatever. That's, that's a hidden fee. Um, violation fees. If you have any, like, if you do your own bar service and you have, um, a fee, if you catch outside alcohol, or if you have a fee for excess cleanup, if you have a fee for damages, um, or if you have a fee for cleaning up bodily fluids, if you have a fee for any of that kind of stuff, that's a hidden fee. So, um, Now that we've kind of developed the idea of what a hidden fee is and kind of made that barrier of what a hidden fee is versus what just a standard, you know, rent, a standard product or service cost, that's different. Now we've separated those two. Here's my thing about hidden fees. We really have to consider if they're necessary and how detrimental they are to the booking of events. I have found that I get a leg up by not charging a service fee and not charging gratuity. I don't charge those two things because if it's a percentage add-on, guaranteed no matter what, it's always going to happen. If you're going to add a 20% to the cost of your catering, if you do in-house catering, or you're going to charge a 15% fee to the venue or to the catering company who's coming in for like a, you know, a catering fee because they're using your kitchen or whatever, that is the fees that need to be nixed first because those are the ones that are very misunderstood. Those are the ones that are hard to explain because they're, they're 
meant to they're meant to be more business than they are beneficial or detrimental to the client. They're added on all the time. So what we did in order to consider those fees is we upped our price by 20%. So we built that 20% into the package price. So instead of at the end calculating, you know, the, here's an example, you've got a catering meal that is $20 a person, and then you multiply that by 150 person headcount, then you add in the tax, then you add in the service fee, then you add in the gratuity, and then that's your base rate, right? So the service fee is 20%, so you're adding on the 20% to that total package. But instead of adding it at the end, we just said, how about we take that $20 a person and we make it $24 a person and up it by 20%. It has helped us a lot because now our clients know exactly what they're getting into. And we give all of our potential clients um, and tours a quote. And we tell them exactly at the time of their quote, we do not charge service fees. We do not charge gratuity. We charge tax. That is it. This quote is exactly what it is. There is nothing going to be hidden from you. This is exactly what you're getting into. This is based on your headcount and the package that you chose. All the labor, all the fees, everything that you would normally find at another venue is already included in that package price. You might find that our prices are a little bit higher, but we want to make sure that our pricing is very transparent and you know exactly what you're getting and exactly what you're paying and there's no questions. We want to make sure that you are prepared, organized, and do not have a surprise when it comes to the final bill for your catering and bar service. That that means a lot in today's world. That means a lot, especially to your millennials and your Gen Zs, because they value transparency. They value, you have to think, they have grown up in the world of being behind a screen and meeting people online and wanting to make connections with, with these people. And in order to, but when you constantly put up a wall, like a fee in front of them, it hinders the connection. It hinders the trust. So we want to build trust with them. And in order to do that, we need to be super transparent. We need to be super, you know, trustworthy. And having a hidden fee is not trustworthy. They are going to constantly worry what that fee is. They're going to constantly think, well, crap, you know, like I didn't think about the 20%. Now I got to add in that 20%. And they might be like, they're not going to blame themselves for not thinking about the 20%. They're going to blame you for having a 20% fee. So, I mean, it's up to you and and what you would like to do, but I highly suggest eliminating service fees and gratuity. If you want to have your staff tipped, then you should put in a little section on your contract that says we do not charge gratuity, but we gladly accept any tips for our staff. 
They are very appreciative of that. Um, however, please do please understand that we're not going to charge you initially for that, and you are not obligated to do so. It's a tip. We shouldn't we shouldn't charge a gratuity um, because you don't you don't tip somebody before you receive the service because you don't know how well the service is going to be. So when you go to a restaurant, you're not sitting down at down at a table and handing your waitress a $10 tip. You wait until after. You wait to see how quick she was. You wait to see how friendly she was. You wait to see if she was knowledgeable in what meals she suggested. So I highly suggest no gratuity and just asking them to tip after if they feel the need to. Um, if they don't, I hope you pay your staff enough that they shouldn't rely on gratuity and you shouldn't rely on a tip for that. Um, other fees, we do have a damage deposit. Um, I think that's pretty standard in the event industry just because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what type of clients you're getting because you don't know them. Um, and so we do have a damage deposit. It's $500. To be honest, I don't really take out damage that much. I don't have the type of clients that are going to disrespect my building like that. Um, I also am pretty interactive with the client, so they feel like they're disrespecting me when they disrespect my building, unfortunately. I make it pretty clear um, that this is my livelihood, this is my business, this is how I feed my children, um, so please respect me. That's all you have to do, and by respecting me, I ask you to respect the building. And that's how I tell them every time that I talk to them about a damage deposit. And I would say I've taken $25 out of a $500 damage deposit for actual damages. And that's just because a bridesmaid had hooked her dress to a wall sconce and the wall sconce fell from the wall and broke the, the glass covering. I mean, she didn't know. I mean, it was an accident. It wasn't something she was trying to disrespect us. I get it. Um, I did charge to replace it and fix it. That's it. 25 bucks. Wasn't that much. But um, we also have violation fees because I have been dragged so many times about outside alcohol and people wanting to get away with it. And I've had enough. I have put my foot down. I don't tolerate it. And I also don't tolerate attitude when it comes to that time. So you give me attitude and you make my job harder. I'll just close the bar completely and kick you guys all out. Like I don't have to, you don't have to stay here. So don't, don't physically threaten. Don't verbally threaten. Don't pop an attitude with me and get aggressive because I'll just shut down the bar. Um, so usually you, if I find outside alcohol, I charge $10 per item and $25 per bottle. So if it's like a shot glass, beer can, full or empty, I don't care. Um, I will charge $10 per item that I find, even including the parking lot. I will go outside and I will search for cans in that parking lot and I will collect them and I will charge money for those. Um, if I find a guest, usually what happens is I'm pretty lenient because I don't want to scare off my clients because they don't know sometimes that their guests are doing this stuff. So, I mean, they probably do know, but they are, have their blinders on because it's the best day ever. Um, so what usually happens is 
I have my police officer, security guard. Um, he goes up to the person or guest, you know, breaking the rules. I mean, it's all on, it's on all my doors. No personal alcohol allowed on the property, inside or outside of the building. That is on my doors. There's, it's hard to miss. But he will go up to that person and say, "You can't have personal alcohol inside or outside of the building. I don't want to find it again. If I do." you will not be allowed on the property and we're going to kick you off the property. They don't listen. We go to the client, we go to the client and say that person right there is about to get kicked off the property because they're not, not listening. If the client decides to just ignore us, we will ask that person to leave. If they don't leave, then we close the bar down. I shut down the bar and all those cans and things that I collected now come out of the damage deposit. Um, I collect them every event, every event, just waiting. I don't charge initially right away, but I will charge if I start having a problem. So I give them a lot of chances. I am very flexible, but I don't tolerate um, when I ask you and tell your guests to not do this and they don't listen, then it's your responsibility. You're responsible for your guests and their behavior. You handle it. And if it continues, then I'm just going to take all that damage deposit and take, you know, $10 per can per shot bottle, $25 per bottle of liquor, full or empty that I find out of your $500 because you didn't want to handle the situation and control your guest. Um, and then if that still doesn't stop it, then guess what? Your bar gets shut down and I close it. And then if you pop an attitude with me or get verbally aggressive with me, I kick you out. Your wedding ends. Unfortunately, I've done this before, um, obviously, because I have some vengeful kind of tone. <laughs> but the thing is, is that I don't want to have to do this. Like this is this is like a nightmare for me, because when I did that, you know how many reviews, negative reviews I got? I got so many negative reviews for shutting down bar service for overintoxication or underage drinking or outside alcohol after I've already told the client, like, this is the problem that needs to be handled. And they just, they thought I was, wasn't being serious. You don't think I'm being serious. Okay. Well, let me show you how serious I am. And I shut it down. And then they all got super mean with me and actually scared me to where I had to have my security officer walk with me everywhere I went. So um, I'm never going to feel like that in my building ever again. Never. I'm never going to be scared for my safety. My staff are never going to be threatened. My staff are never going to be, um, you know, racial profile that they did to my black officer on duty, never again will that happen. So I do have violation fees for that. I do have excess cleanup fees. Uh, you are not allowed to have confetti cannons. I am not cleaning up that confetti um, and not inside or outside. No silk petals because outside, if I have multiple weddings a day, those silk petals will stay in the grass and we got to go out there and pick up 500 silk petals and it becomes a pain in the ass. I'm not doing that either. <laughs> so I do have excess cleanup fees. Um, and I take them out of the deposit deposit. Uh, but here's the thing. I don't allow my clients to read the contract by themselves. So this whole speech that I'm giving you, 
about my contract, I also give them. So um, very transparent. I tell them exactly why I have this, exactly why it's there. And it, and I tell them if you disrespect me and my building, I don't play games. I, when I'm serious, I'm serious. It is, I want you to have fun, but I also want you to be respectful. Um, and if you're not going to be respectful, then I don't tolerate it. And I don't have to allow you to be in the space. And that's just how it is. It is still my livelihood, it's still my business, and it's still my building. So, um, and you have to think the same way because I think a lot of venue owners kind of become pushovers because they don't want to get a bad review and they don't, they don't want to deal with those consequences, but I've been through those. They're hard and they, they hurt so bad. But the problem is, is that I could care less at this point because um, if it's if it's a bad review for something we did wrong, then I, f I will 100% own that. But if it's a bad review because they broke their contract and they disrespected us, I don't feel bad for that. And um, I will apologize and tell them sorry that they, you know, had a bad experience, but this is our contract. This is how we operate. And we don't tolerate underage drinking, outside alcohol, or excess cleanup. This is all written within the contract that was signed and approved by them. And I will write that on every single comment, on every single review. I write the same thing over and over again. Don't give them any satisfaction for getting you hyped up. Write the same thing. Um, but, uh, you, you know, we went through it and, um, what happens is you go through it once or twice and you don't get those kind of clients again, because they tell their friends that were part of the problem and their friends don't book you, which to me is fine. I would rather have other clients that are respectful. I got plenty of other opportunities out there that I don't need to have their wedding or their friend's wedding. Um, and I haven't had another experience like that in a long time because I've weeded it out. <laughs> they know I don't tolerate it. So they're going to go to another venue that probably does tolerate it. And that's just not me. So um, hidden fees and everything like that, it's, it is a tricky situation and the damage deposit is a tricky situation, but it is necessary. So there are some hidden fees that are necessary and that um, need to be on a contract, damage deposit, violation fees, access to cleanup fees. Um, those are important. So they have to be there. But the ones that can be built into the cost of packages or rates and services those should be built into the cost. Make them transparent because you will gain the respect and trust of your clients by doing so. And you won't become that venue that has the hidden fees. If you can build them into the cost, you won't, you will never get the, the complaint of this venue is so expensive and 20% and of the venue was just paying for service and labor. I already paid this much money for the food. So they don't understand this is a service ran industry. So sometimes you just have to prepare for the stupid <laughs> and prepare for that kind of, um, that kind of mindset to, and just get rid of the service fees on your rental and on your catering and bar service. And it will make a difference. It will. And it gradually, I think that is the number one thing that has 
contributed to the increase of our business, um, going from 30 weddings to 45 weddings within, you know, 10 months. And, um, that's a huge increase. And I think that, I think that, uh, that has been one of the major contributing factors as well as COVID. Um, that's also a pretty good thing too. I think we've all experienced an increase for 2022 coming up and I'm ready for the year. I'm ready for it. I am so happy with how our products and services and fees have really developed into a standard way of business. And it's been easier on me, easier on my staff and easier on my clients. So it is definitely recommended. Okay. That's it guys. That's my soapbox. I hope that you got some knowledgeable information and can apply some of this stuff to your business. And I will see you next week. Bye. Do you know another venue owner, event professional, or maybe an entrepreneur that you think will benefit from this podcast? Why don't you share it with them and help me inspire others? Stay informed by following or subscribing to this podcast. You'll be notified each time an episode is posted. You can also follow me for more tips and inspiration on Instagram at Elegantly Unclamorous Podcast or on our website at ElegantlyUnclamorous.com. I'll see you next time.